Welcome to the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Show. This is episode number 161, and I'm coming at you from Los Angeles, California on Thursday, October 25th, 2018. So today on this episode, number 161, I'll be recording, or not recording, I'll be reporting, excuse me, the notable news stories in sports, inside sports, and I'm going to be giving my unique perspective and opinion or take on them on each one. Uh, so, so long it is not, um, so long as it is not uh, controversial in any way, whether it is you know something to do with a criminal act committed or political opinions. I'm not going to give my personal opinion on those stories, but on like sports news and trades and you know comments things like that, I definitely will. So uh, the first uh, story of the day has to do with NBA. So first of all, I want to say that uh, there's. Some mostly NBA stories today. There's some NFL. Thursday night football was today. The Lakers um, uh, won their second straight game in a row. I'll have details on that game. Uh, you know, more people calling out their old teammates since the Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo situation. So NFL stories, a baseball story in the mix. Um, the wire traps being released from the college basketball FBI investigation and. Um, yeah, those are the stories that I will be covering. I'm giving my take and reporting the news, you know, the actual news in those. But but before I get into that and the first story of the day, I want to say, I want to uh, recommend to you the website called allteams.com. It's A-L-L-T-E-A-M-Z.com. It's a great website. The point of it is you go on the website. If you if you have a child or you know someone that has a child that's interested in playing uh, team sports, but they don't they don't really know where to find a team, and you also don't really know where to find a team. Allteams.com is the perfect solution for you. You make an account, you you tell them uh, you know what area you're located in, and they immediately present you with all the teams that are available in the area for your child to participate in. And um, at the same time, on the other hand, it's also a great tool for coaches to find available players. And as a matter of fact, I was hired as a writer for this website, so I will be writing articles. I've already written my first article. As a matter of fact, it's available. Uh, I published it a couple hours ago. It's um, it's about Manny Machado of the LA Dodgers in the MLB, but I tied into youth sports and how uh, what he has been doing lately, um, or what what uh, teenagers and kids my age tend to do, uh, are be, is being emulated by Manny Machado, who is a grown man in the major leagues on the biggest stage that there is in October baseball. So. It's a very interesting read. I've, I've gotten nothing but positive feedback so far. Of course, there's always room for improvement, but I appreciate all the feedback. And I will be uh, regu- regularly writing and publishing articles on that website. Also be at some point interviewing uh, pretty well-known college softball coaches and just college coaches in general. And uh, also doing play-by-play commentary for youth games. So be on the lookout for that. And I'll have more updates on later episodes. So... Uh, enough about me and the website. Now getting into the sports news. The first story has to do with NBA basketball, specifically with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City Thunder superstar Russell Westbrook is one of the best overall players in the NBA, but apparently it's not always fun playing with him. Quote, it wasn't always fun. A former teammate said of the point guard per Royce Young of ESPN, the first few years I played with him, it was, but things got more and more out of control. Other teammates have reportedly complained about his, quote, stubbornness and a single-minded approach. The issues apparently limited the chemistry last season after Paul George and Carmelo Anthony joined the roster, especially at the beginning of the season. However, George appreciated Westbrook's attitude on the court, which likely helped convince him to re-sign with OKC over leaving and joining the Los Angeles Lakers in the offseason. 
quote, my thing is I like it. My thing is I like if I go on that court and there's a guy I don't have to worry about, George out of Westbrook, he's going to bring it. When I look at zero, I have no worries that uh, that night about what I'm going to get out of him. I know he's going to bring it. He's going to give everything he has. I like that. That motivates me. That pushes me. That keeps me going. Westbrook uh, has averaged a triple-double in each of the last two seasons, winning the MVP award in the 2016-17 season. So is there, so there's no question about his talent and ability. However, his, effic- his efficiency is lacking at times, and he hasn't been hasn't seen as much team success in the past two years since his partner in crime, Kevin Durant, left for the Golden State Warriors, left for the enemy. While the 29-year-old has been a, a divisive figure among fans since entering the league, uh, this apparently is also the case for his teammates. So very interesting developments. And... Um, I can't really say that I'm taking this article too seriously in this new development because the player that was supposedly interviewed by ESPN, we don't really know if they were or not because they don't give their name. The player that was supposedly interviewed by ESPN didn't give their name, obviously, so we don't know who it was. I'm not saying that this was ESPN making a fake story and and saying that they interviewed a player when they didn't because that would be a very low and bad move from them that uh, I wouldn't expect, but it's entirely possible in journalism. You know, it's a... The, the goal is to get clicks and, you know, to advertise things and get listeners and viewers and supporters. So it's entirely possible. I'm not saying it's true, but I think it's definitely a possibility. So with that said, I'm taking this story uh, in uh, with a grain of salt. But switching gears now to tennis, this is very unfortunate. Caroline Wozniacki revealed today that she has been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. She said, quote, in the beginning, it was a shock. Just you feel like you're the fittest athlete out there or that's in my head, but that's what I'm known for. And all of a sudden you have this to work with, Wozniacki told reporters. Wozniacki, who's 28 years old, made the announcement following her loss to Elena Svitolina in, at the WTA finals. I think I didn't want to talk about it, obviously, during this year because I don't want to give anyone the edge or thinking that I'm not feeling well, but I have been feeling well, Wozniacki said. She said the diagnosis came before the U.S. Open. She began feeling symptoms of the disease after the disease after her elimination from Wimbledon. She said the diagnosis came before the U.S. Open. The Dane began feeling symptoms of the disease after her elimination from the uh, from Wimbledon. Uh, Wozniacki told reporters, "Quote: It's something that now I'm happy that I'm done with the season, and you can just kind of control it a little bit more and figure out a plan how to control it even better in the future. Some people can go into remission, and some people it just stops the disease, and it's just, uh, and it's just right there, and it's not going to get worse. Or if it does, it's slowly. The medicine now is so amazing, so I'm not worried about it. So that's great. You just have to be aware. Currently, the number three player in the world was Nyaki, said she does not expect the disease to affect her career. She won her first major championships at the 2018 Australian Open and captured the China Open earlier this month, her first um, tournament victory since the diagnosis. Quote, I know there are a lot of people in the world that are fighting with this, and hopefully I can be someone they can look up to and say, if I can do this, then they can too, was Nyaki said, and you just kind of have to get together and pull each other up. Yeah, so, you know, very unfortunate. Uh, I wish nothing but the best. I'm very happy and glad that this disease, this very unfortunate disease, is not going to affect your career or so it seems. And I wish nothing but the best and nothing but continued success in the female uh, professional tennis tour. Switching gears back to the NBA, this was a very funny and shocking story to read. It turns out not having LeBron James is a bad thing for the Cleveland Cavaliers' business. TMZ Sports captured an image from online ticket outlet flash seats that showed fans could gain entry into Wednesday's game against the Brooklyn Nets for as little as $2. The Nets went on to win the game by a 102-86 final score. The Cavs do have bragging rights over James because they are currently averaging more fans per home game at 19,432 than Los Angeles Lakers are with LeBron James at 18,997. 
even though Cleveland sports fans are passionate and dedicated, they've had to support three major franchises that have combined to win only one championship since 1965. It's hard to get excited about this Cavs team. With LeBron playing for the Lakers, the Cavs are the Eastern Conference's only winless team at 0-4. Their offensive and de- defensive efficiency rank among the bottom five in the NBA. On the bright side, fans could theoretically purchase tickets and concessions to Cavs games at Quicken Loans Arena for under $20. So definitely a bargain now with LeBron out of there. Now switching here to the MLB. Um, so Charlie Montoyo will be tasked with bringing the Toronto Blue Jays back to prominence in the American League East. Toronto announced Montoyo would be the team's new manager on Thursday. She Davidi of Sportsnet.ca first reported the news. The Blue Jays announced on September 26th that John Gibbons wouldn't be returning as manager next season. The 56-year-old led the team to the American League Championship Series in 2015 and 2016, but never to the World Series. He had a 793 and 701 uh, record in two stints over 11 seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays. Montoyo, their new manager, who's 53 years old, has been working on the Tampa Bay Rays coaching staff since 2015. He served as a bench coach under manager Kevin Cash last season. Prior to working with the Rays at the Major League Baseball level, Montoya was, has spent eight years managing the team's AAA affiliate. He led the Durham Bulls to 633 wins and two International League titles in 2009 and 2013. The Blue Jays' 73-89 and 89 record last season was their worst since 2012. They finished fourth in the American League East in each of the past two years since making the ALCS two years in a row. So hopefully he'll provide them the spark that they need. And since they're not a National League team, I wish them success because I wouldn't really care about the games between the Dodgers and Blue Jays until they play each other, possibly, obviously, in the World Series. Now switching gears to another NBA story. This was very interesting, and um, this would kind of really open my eyes. So uh, Oklahoma City Thunder star Paul George believes there are certain players in the NBA who won't, who don't mesh well on the court with LeBron James. Per ESPN, the magazine's Royce Young, George commented on what it's like to play with LeBron in response to criticism that it can be difficult to play with alongside Russell Westbrook, which I covered um, earlier in this episode. He said, quote, you could say that about a lot of guys. LeBron is the best player in our league, but some people have a hard time playing with him. One thing you can't say about Russ is that he's not ready or he's not prepared. That's him every night. The topic was brought up when Young noted, quote, frustrations some of Westbrook's former teammates have privately expressed about his, quote, stubbornness and single-minded approach. There have been numerous reported instances of star players not wanting to play with LeBron. Before the Cleveland Cavaliers traded Kyrie Irving to the Boston Celtics in August of last year, ESPN.com's Brian Winhurst reported the five-time All-Star wanted to, quote, be more of a focal point and didn't want to keep playing next to LeBron. The Athletics' James Chernia said during a July appearance on the herd with Colin Coward on Fox Sports 1 that Kawhi Leonard, before he was traded to the Toronto Raptors, uh, wasn't, quote, jumping for joy at the thought of joining the Los Angeles Lakers after LeBron signed with them. Per ESPN.com's Adrian Wojnarowski, Minnesota Timberwolves disgruntled superstar Jimmy Butler, quote, had once imagined playing for the Lakers, but LeBron James's arrival as the franchise's cornerstone made it less appealing for Butler in the prime of his career. George was able to build a good relationship with Russell Westbrook and felt comfortable enough to be playing alongside the former uh, MVP to sign a four-year contract extension with the Thunder in July. Despite reported resistance from some stars uh, to playing with LeBron, he still found a way to win three NBA titles and has made it to the finals in each of the past eight seasons across you know, stints with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Miami Heat. So, you know, despite what they say, LeBron is still the best player in the world, and I'm sure most players would jump for the opportunity to play with LeBron. Uh, I think guys like Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, guys like that don't want to play with LeBron, not because they don't want to really play with LeBron, but because they want to be the best player on the team. They don't want to be second fiddle to LeBron. That's what I think. I think if, if LeBron was not on the Lakers, Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler would gladly come over to be that man, to be the best player in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, in for showtime they don't want to be second fiddle to lebron even it even if it is in los angeles so anyway switching gears now to the 
NFL, the first NFL story of this episode. Not the last, I can tell you that. Quarterbacks and head coaches in the NFL often receive most of the blame for losses and much of the praise when a team wins. And Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Blake Bortles acknowledged that he was fine with being the, quote, scapegoat for Jacksonville's current struggles during an interview with Michael Silver of NFL.com. He said, quote, I'm totally at peace with that. I totally understand that I'm like the scapegoat for this team. When we play good, the defense played well. The running back did good. The receivers made great plays. And when we played bad, Blake Bortles is the worst quarterback on the face of the planet. And I get it. Obviously, that's not what I would love, what I have, what I would have chosen for myself. And I'm sure it'll never stop, but I couldn't care less. I just want to win football games with this team. The comments came just days after, uh, just days before, excuse me, Bortles was benched in the second half of the team's 20 to 7 divisional loss against the Houston Texans. He will resume his starting duties in London against the Philadelphia Eagles. However, Bortles isn't the only um, blame or problem for Jacksonville's disappointing 3 and 4 start, but he absolutely shoulders a large portion of the blame. He, he has struggled this year, throwing for 1,735 yards, 9 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions, while completing only 60.6% of his passes. He's also been sacked 14 times and lost 2 fumbles. So, you know, he's not, he's just not a good quarterback and um, he never has been. He was kind of, he seemed good last year or at least better than he usually is. That's because of how good Jacksonville's defense was and how good their defense made the rest of the team look. That's simply what it was. And, um, but even though I don't think he's a, I don't even think he's an average quarterback in the, in the NFL, but that doesn't mean that I don't love his attitude here. I love that he understands that you know, as a quarterback, as a starting quarterback of the team, him and the head coach are going to take basically all the blame for when the team does good and when the team does bad as well. So there's always two sides to, you know, for every argument, for every situation. So I, I, I like that he accepts it and hopefully he'll prove the doubters wrong. And honestly, I'm one of the doubters. So switching gears now to another NFL story. This is this was shocking when I first heard about this. The NFL has fired one of its own judges, Hugo Cruz, for poor performance. NFL Referees Association Executive Director Scott Green confirmed the firing to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, calling the decision, quote, reckless. The statement read, quote, The NFL has a troubling history of knee-jerk reactions with an eye on public relations on relations, and clearly has not learned from past mistakes. The NFL RA will, will protect the collectively bargained rights of all officials and will challenge this reckless decision through, through the grievance process. Football Zebras, a website that analyzes the performance of NFL referees, first reported the firing. That report cited seven sources with, quote, first-hand knowledge of the situation, noting that a missed false start call in week six in a week six game between the Los Angeles Chargers and Cleveland Browns was the final straw for the league. In that game, Cruz missed a blatant false start by the Chargers. On the ensuing play, that would have been a whistle dead before it began. Philip Rivers then ended up throwing a touchdown pass. Per the report, quote, uh, one of the sources confirmed that Cruz was not maintaining a very high level of performance over a sustained period. While another told football zebras in March that Cruz's future with the league was already in jeopardy. This is partially borne out by his lack of postseason assignments for the two seasons he would have qualified for, not counting assignments as an alternate last season. Another um, another oddity, oddity that our sources could not find a reason for was that Cruz was assigned to a different crew for three of the six uh, games he has worked this year. The report noted the NFL has never fired an official midseason during the Super Bowl era instead of fining or suspending them for poor performance. Generally, officials are simply not brought not brought back for another season if their performance is subpar. And Football Zebras added that just two officials have been outright fired in the past 10 years, making any dismissal of, of a referee very notable and public. Cruz joined the NFL in 2015 after being recruited from Conference USA, where he officiated for five years. He also worked as a minor league umpire in the past. On the missed call in question, Cruz was lined up behind Chargers offensive tackle Russell Okung, who clearly left his stance well before the ball was snapped to the point that defensive end Miles Garrett paused and pointed at Okung, expecting a call. 
Instead, as I as I covered, Philip Rivers found Tyrell Williams for a 29-yard uh, touchdown pass. After the game, Browns head coach Hugh Jackson said one of the officials who wasn't responsible for, for making the call admitted that a false start should have been given on the play. Quote, yep, yep, missed it. Yeah, I was told they missed it. He told reporters, was very honest on my side. It sure wasn't the guy on the other side. It was definitely the guy on my side. That was a false start. So I think this is a little rough simply because even though he hasn't performing poorly, it's still week six of the NFL season. It's not like he made this bad call in a, in a important game that uh, decided uh, a team season who would make the playoffs, who would miss the playoffs or an important playoff game where, you know, a team season is on the line or the Super Bowl. It's week six of the season. It's not that big of a deal. You know, the NFL never fires a referee, so I don't understand why they would start doing so now. You know, find the guy, suspend him, do whatever you have to do, but why fire him? I mean, it's week six of the regular season. What's the point in that? Anyway, switching gears back to the NBA. So the Houston Rockets will be forced to play at least two games without James Harden after the reigning NBA MVP suffered a hamstring injury Wednesday last night against the Utah Jazz. The team announced Thursday that he was diagnosed with a grade one plus hamstring strain and he will be reevaluated before the next road trip, which begins with a Friday game against the Brooklyn Nets. Harden left Wednesday's loss with tightness in his hamstring and, and initial reports that he would miss just one game, according to Kelly Eco of The Athletic. Uh, it now appears he could miss even more time. It's been a common injury for Harden over the past two seasons. The six-time All-Star missed seven games during last year with a strained hamstring. His absence uh, didn't prevent the Rockets from leading the Western Conference with 65 wins, though, and coming uh, within one win of making the NBA Finals and most likely winning the NBA Championship if they did win that one game. Things have been more difficult for the Houston to start this season. The reigning Southwest Division champion stumbled out of the gate with three losses in their first four games. Losing Harden for any length of time creates a huge void in their lineup. He leads the team in scoring at 28.5 points a game and assists at 9. Eric Gordon will take over as a starter for head coach Mike D'Antoni. So I think they'll still be fine, and um, you know, hopefully it will uh, work out. So uh, now switching gears now to Thursday night uh, football. So the Houston Texans played the Miami Dolphins in today's matchup. And the Houston Texans defeated the Miami Dolphins 42-23 to on Thursday night at NRG Stadium in Houston. Deshaun Watson completed 16 of 20 passes for 239 yards and five touchdowns to lead the Texans with DeAndre Hopkins, who had six catches for 82 yards, two touchdowns, and Will Fuller, the fifth, five receptions for 124 yards and a touchdown, also contributing to the win. Dolphins quarterback Brock Osweiler had a um, pretty eh, average game, 241 yards, which is good, but zero touchdowns, which is bad, especially when you're... Uh, Opposing starting quarterback throws five, and he threw an interception. Miami receiver Danny Amendola also threw a 28-yard touchdown and caught five passes for 43 yards, and Devontae Packer put up 134 yards on six receptions. So there you have it. Uh, that's your Thursday night football matchup. Uh, now it's transitioning into the um, transitioning into the NBA. This is um, – the Jimmy Butler uh, rumors and saga continues after a bit of a cool down. You know, it was at one point there was news every day about where Jimmy Butler might go, but it has cooled down since then. But here's another story. Houston look, looks like Houston wants Jimmy Butler. So after a one and three start to the 2018-19 season, the Houston Rockets are renewing their attempt to acquire Jimmy Butler in a trade according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. The latest proposal reportedly includes four first round uh, picks, future first round draft picks. 
The haul would be the maximum allowable number of first-round picks in a trade based on NBA rules, which prevent picks to be traded in consecutive years. The potential deal would provide the Timberwolves with first-round picks in alternating seasons for seven years, which is the farthest out a draft pick could be dealt. Butler is currently averaging 24.8 points, 5.3 rebounds, and an NBA best 3.8 steals a game in four appearances with the Minnesota Timberwolves so far this season. The four-time All-Star has been on the block since putting up a trade request with his team in September. While the Miami Heat appeared to be a likely uh, landing spot, a deal fell through at the last minute per Wojnarowski. Still, the Rockets were considered to be, quote, aggressive in seeking a deal at the time. Stefano Fusara of ESPN reported in early October that the Timberwolves wanted both Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker in a deal for Butler, but the Rockets wouldn't give up Tucker. It appears Houston would prefer to give up future assets rather than lose someone who can help the team contend this season. Despite the Rockets' slow start, the squad was, has high expectations for this season after coming one game away from the NBA Finals last year. Uh, as I already covered, reigning MVP James Harden will miss at least two games with a hamstring strain, but pairing him, Butler, and Chris Paul with Carmelo Anthony off the bench will be absolutely lethal, and they, I could see that team possibly beating the Golden State Warriors. I'm not going to lie. Um, that's I can see that happening. So now switching gears to another NBA story. This game uh, happened today. So... You know, the Boston Celtics played the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it was a very surprising result, at least for me, watching the game. So the Oklahoma City Thunder still haven't found uh, themselves in the win column this season. Oklahoma City dropped to 0-4 with a 101-95 loss to the Boston Celtics on Thursday at um, Chesapeake Energy Arena. Kyrie Irving tallied 15 points, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds. In the interconference, point guard showdown with Russell Westbrook, who countered with 13 points, 15 rebounds, and 8 assists, just two assists shy of a triple-double. It wasn't just Irving as Marcus Morris drifted, uh, drilled excuse me, a, a go-ahead three in the final 30 seconds and added 28 points and 10 boards himself in the win. So the Thunder choked late, and uh, it cost him. They're still winless. Uh, but Paul George wants to be in L.A. now, but that's none of my business. Switching gears on to another NBA story. This one doesn't have to do with an actual game, but the recruiting of Kevin Durant to the New York Knicks. Large billboards on the side of buildings aren't the way to Kevin Durant's heart. After he was featured on a billboard in downtown New York City, the Golden State Warriors star was mostly indifferent about the tactic. He tactic he said, quote, I don't really know how to feel about that type of stuff. Uh, per the Athletics Anthony Slater, it's cool. No disrespect, but I'm not really impressed with that type of stuff. The artwork depicted Durant with the Larry O'Brien trophy along, alongside New York Knicks star Kristaps Porzingis. Fans across the country also used the tactic before. Uh, you know, when LeBron James opted out of his contract with the Cavaliers, uh, the you know, Lakers or Laker fans put up a lot of LA Braun uh, billboards in LA. And then uh, Philadelphia also put up, or actually, um, you know, there were billboards up in Ohio uh, uh, hoping for LeBron to stay. There were billboards in Philadelphia uh, recruiting him to Philly. Uh, also, earlier this month, Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes reported on, on uh, Fox Sports 1's Undisputed that the Knicks, quote, have a very good shot at signing Kevin Durant. While the New York billboard doesn't hurt the Knicks' chances of signing Durant, assuming he opts out this summer, the nine-time All-Star almost certainly won't even remember it was when the time comes. Uh, remember when the time comes for him to either stay with Golden State or go somewhere else. Durant's next move is unlikely to define his NBA legacy, given everything he's already achieved. But he has the chance to add to his legend, not unlike the way in which James returned to Cleveland and brought a title to the Cavs. Considering how important Katie's decision will be, he understandably won't be swayed by which fan base purchases the, purchases the biggest billboard. Rightfully so. Maybe an artistic photo exhibit would be more effective. Jokes. Uh, so, you know, I think Kevin Durant sh uh, can't, should and will stay with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, he's in a great situation. They've won back-to-back uh, -back championships with uh, with him since he joined the team. And, um, you know, why would he leave? 
he won back-to-back finals MVPs. I still, I still believe it's Stephen Curry's team and not Durant's, but you know, he's great. He's a, the second best player on the team, obviously. You know, it's, it's hard to say, obviously, on a team like Golden State because they, you know, their team is just so stacked. But anyway, he's still clearly the second best player on the team. And uh, of course, I would love for him to come to the LA Lakers and pair up with LeBron James in the young core, you know, with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Svi Mahaluk as well, guys like that. But I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, what would be really, really cool to see would, would be him coming back to Oklahoma City in, in a dramatic kind of homecoming um storyline and have him kind of reunite with Russell Westbrook and bring a championship kind of quote unquote back home. You know, Oklahoma city isn't his home, but it would kind of make it the way that LeBron did with Cleveland. KD is from Washington DC, but back home because, you know, he spent nearly the first decade of his career with Oklahoma city. So, you know, it rightfully so could be considered home, but that would be really cool. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he should stay in golden state. I think he will stay in golden state, but I would love to see him either, um, you know, obviously come to my team, the LA Lakers, go to uh, the New York Knicks. That would be awesome. Or just come back to his, um, you know, stomping grounds in Oklahoma City. That would be awesome. Now switching gears to college basketball. Um, so outside the lines has obtained federal wiretap audio text messages, hidden camera video and fraudulent invoices from the FBI's investigation into college basketball's corruption, according to ESPN's Mark Strzelabak and Paula Levine. Nasir Little and Brian Bowen Jr. are among the players at the center of attention, with Rick Pitino, Louisville's former head coach, and Arizona also involved in the conversations. Full transcripts and audio can be viewed on ESPN.com if you are interested. Earlier this week, Schlabach reported Adidas executive James Gatto, former Adidas consultant Merrill Code, and Christian Dawkins were all found guilty on felony charges of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud after being accused of uh, providing recruits with impermissible uh, benefits to incentivize them to sign with Adidas schools. All three were involved in multiple recordings. Little, who's a five-star recruit and North Carolina commit, was the topic of one such recording as Code and Gatto discussed how much it would take to land him at Miami. Here's a snippet of Code. Uh, This is via ESPN. Uh, And also um, note that um, the transcripts may contain uh, explicit language. So this is the um, transcript. Quote, so here's the deal, kid. There's a kid named Nasir. Uh, So here's the deal, kid. There's a kid named Nasir, Little, who's top five or six in the country who... Uh, Lerner, Naga, and those guys really want. The problem is Arizona's offered the kid 150 and we're trying to keep him from going to one of their schools. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be all in one lump sum. I can I can make it work if you're saying you'll do it. I can tell them that, you know, it's installments and we'll figure out how to get it to you, when, where, how, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the recordings all provided a detailed look at what helped Louisville initially land former five-star recruit Brian Bowen Jr., who wound up transferring to South Carolina. Dawkins was extremely blunt with Bowen's father in one particular conversation per ESPN, saying, quote, you about to get money, you about to, you about to get some racks. Dawkins later discussed specifics with Jill Bailey per ESPN, quote, then August 25th, Louisville needs to get five grand in in an account for the big kid from Florida that Brad Augustine is a guy who Jeff met him and and Marty met him, met, and he's going to be expecting August, August 25th, five grand for the big kid that Louisville is trying to get. Former Adidas consultant TJ Gasnola was also mentioned in an August 10th, 2017 conversation with Dawkins that Patino called Gatto and $100,000 was given to Bowen. Patino was fired uh, last October in the wake of the scandal. Financial advisor Munish Sood told Dawkins in one conversation last July that making cash drop-offs to people he didn't know made him, quote, nervous and that he did not want to repeat that sort of activity in the future. According to the New York Times' Mark Tracy, sentencing for Gatto, Code, and Dawkins has been set for March 5th. Gatto will reportedly appeal uh, Wednesday's guilty verdict. So, you know, just all hands on deck. 
FBI is really cracking down on this, and uh, I like it. So that's all we have for the notable news section of this episode, and we're going to be transitioning into the L.A. sports section, uh, starting with the L.A. Lakers, who played the Denver Nuggets. The Lakers have now played back-to-back games, and they won back-to-back games after starting the season off 0-3. They're 2-3. They could easily be uh, 5-0 right now, but beggars can't be choosers. So the Lakers beat the Nuggets 121-114 at home, and the Lakers improved to 2-3, while the Nuggets fall to 4-1, their first loss of the season. Uh, It was only their second road game as well out of five games. The Lakers, um, they continue play uh, this Saturday, October 27th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern against the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio, Texas, broadcasted locally on Spectrum Sportsnet. Already the second matchup between the Lakers and Spurs as the Spurs won the first one at the Staples Center in L.A., 143 to 142 in overtime. So the Lakers will look to even the series at uh, one one to one, and they'll also look to improve to three and three on the season, uh, the L- and win their third straight game. The LA Clippers, who are currently two and two, play the Houston Rockets tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern, broadcasted locally on Fox Sports Prime Ticket. Uh, the Clippers will look to improve to three and two, and they will also look to win their second straight matchup against the Houston Rockets uh, this season. The LA Dodgers did not play today. They play game three of the World Series tomorrow at 5.09 p.m. Pacific time, 8.09 p.m. Eastern against the Boston Red Sox in Los Angeles, broadcast nationally on Fox. The LA Rams, who are 7-0, play this week, uh, week eight, Sunday, October 28th at 1.25 p.m. Pacific time, 4.25 p.m. Eastern against the Green Bay Packers at home in the Coliseum in Inglewood as they look to improve to 8-0. The LA Chargers, who are second in the AFC West at 5-2, surprisingly, have a bye week, but they play next week, week nine, Sunday, November 4th at 1.05 p.m. Pacific time, 4.05 p.m. Eastern against the Seattle Seahawks, broadcasted uh, nationally on CBS. The LA Kings played today, and they have now lost. The LA Kings have now lost one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row after losing 4-1 to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, the Kings have two days off, and they resume play this Sunday, October 28th at 10, at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern against the New York Rangers as they uh, play back home in L.A., so the Kings fall to 2-7-1, and one, just horrible start, while the Wild improved to 5-2-2. Two, and two. The Kings are still 8th last in the Pacific Division. The Anaheim Ducks also played today, and they played the Dallas Stars. They lost by a score of 5-2. to two. So since starting off the season pretty hot, the Ducks also, like the Kings, have lost four straight games, and they fall to 5-5-1, five, five, and one, still good enough for third in the Pacific Division, and the Stars improved to 5-4-0. and oh. The LA Galaxy play their final game of the season this Sunday, October 28th at 1.30 p.m. Pacific time, 4.30 p.m. Eastern against the Houston Dynamo. If they win the game, they make the playoffs and finish sixth in the Western Conference. If they lose or tie, they miss the playoffs. LAFC comfortably holding a playoff spot, but their last game is this Sunday, October 28th at 1.30 p.m. Pacific time, 4.30 p.m. Eastern against Sporting Kansas City. They're currently second in the Western Conference, two points behind first place, you guessed, in Sporting Kansas City. So if LAFC wins... They will be the first team ever to finish first in the the first team ever uh, to be in their first season and finish first in their respective conference. So that would be pretty cool. And but if they lose and LA Galaxy win, there could potentially be an a LAFC versus LA Galaxy first round playoff matchup, which would be absolutely awesome. UCLA Bruins football they play tomorrow at seven thirty p.m. Pacific time, ten uh, thirty p.m. Eastern against the number uh, twenty three in the country, Utah Utes. Broadcasted nationally on ESPN, UCLA will look to improve to 3-5 and after starting off the season 0-5 but winning their last two in a row. USC football, who are currently, uh, let's see, they're 1-1, and 1-2, 2-2, 3-2, 4-2, who are currently 4-3 and after losing to Utah last week. Play this Saturday, October 27th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern against the Arizona State Sun Devils in downtown LA, USC. Broadcasted nationally on ABC and ESPN2. So that's all we have for episode number 161 of Sean Sports. Thank you so much for listening. Every episode is available on every podcast platform. 
And um, I'll see you guys then on t- tomorrow's episode.